What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Under the Feathers. I'm one of your hosts, Logan Campbell. And I'm Chris Paddock. We are here in Fort Myers, Florida, the spring training headquarters for the Minnesota Twins. With pitchers and catchers reporting tomorrow, Chris, how are you feeling about going into spring training? I'm excited, man. Uh, obviously, first day of pitchers and catchers starts tomorrow. We wrapped up all of our physical stuff today. Uh, been out here for about a week and some change, getting into a routine, and uh, you know, all y'all know I'm not a morning person, but it's uh, it's go time, and I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, the 55 days we have down here in Florida, getting ready for the 2024 season. So, uh, what did uh, what did your off season look like? Yeah, man. So obviously, um, you know, in our first episode, being from Texas, uh, I had my ranch down there and built a shop last year. Um, was able to get a bunch of weight room and stuff and recovery, all that stuff, at, you know, at my ranch at home. And uh, being a homebody, you know, I did all my stuff there, obviously following some of the Twins uh, strength coaches programs and all that stuff. But, um, you know, my main goal this offseason for me personally was, you know, that confidence that I gained towards the end of last year, um, you know, with getting my feet wet in, in playoffs and, you know, just facing that adversity that I did in Florida last year and just being able to overcome that was uh, obviously, you know, super awesome, super proud of myself. Um, you know, but I I took it into, you know, the 2023-2024 offseason of like, hey, you know, make sure you remember that feeling. And, and my goal this year is to stay healthy and uh, obviously did a lot of stuff this offseason to kind of get ahead of the curve um, you know, prevent some of those injuries that I might, you know, see throughout the year or, you know, this game of baseball, unfortunately, especially nowadays with pitchers, you know, we only have so many bullets. So just doing as much as I can and controlling the things that I can control. Um, and then obviously the off season for me is, you know, busting my ass and, and getting after it. Yeah, I know I had a capability of training with you this off season, which I can't thank you enough for, you know, having me down there with you but we we got after it for sure we had those days that it was cold and we bared down and went outside and threw uh we threw out in the cow pasture which that was a little new for me <laughs> for those who don't know chris has some has some cows and he has a little cow pasture not really little i'd say but good it's a, it's good about, side yeah it's about 10 acres and you know teaching logan that there's no such thing as a bad mound 100 when, you, when you're throwing trying to avoid uh you know cow landmines out there uh, <laughs> you know you just look back and you're like man there's no such thing as a as a bad mound and then you get down here in florida and all the grass is green and everything's perfect and it just uh kind of reminds you you know hey man this is this is kind of the beauty of the game you get to step foot on on the baseball field and under the lights i know i was fired up you know being able to do that but also in the weight room stuff being able to work out with you with the big leaguers, seeing how you go about stuff changed my career. I, I enjoyed every second that we had. You pushed me day in and day out of what it takes to be a big leaguer or not even a big leaguer, but just showing how much it takes from a athletic standpoint, from a pitcher standpoint, what all goes into it. And a lot of people lose the sight of that. Um, run through kind of like some of those things that you wanted to implement into me. Yeah, well, one, I appreciate you telling, you know, me that 
you know, here that we're sitting and sitting on the couch talking about <laughs> episode number two. Um, but, you know, it wasn't just me helping you. You helped me as well. You held me accountable. Um, that's why I like kind of hosting those small groups and, you know, the relationships that we got to build with me, you, and Kyle, and Jose, Absolutely. you know, our small little corner that we have down there in Texas, uh, you know, it, it goes it goes to show that, you know, I don't have all the answers, and y'all hold me accountable when I need some of that pushing and some of that motivation. Uh, it's pretty easy to have those days slacking off when absolutely, absolutely. you're at your own place. Yeah, well, what's so special about, you know, I have a couple guys ask me, you know, what is it like having your own place, or what is it? what do you get out of working out at home? You know, some people like that escape of going to a gym or going to a, you know, awesome facility that has, you know, the weight room aspect, the bullpen coaches, you know, the training staff to get that arm care post recovery. Um, and then obviously saunas, cold tubs and stuff as the game is, as changing, you know, we know how important the recovery stuff is, but being able to have access to all that at my ranch in Texas, you know, I can make my own schedule. You know, I'm, I can wake up at 9 o'clock and work out, or I can go feed the cows, get on the skid steer, get on the tractor, spend time with family, and then go work out knowing that, you know, there's not an exact time that, hey, if I don't work out at 9 o'clock, I'm not going to get better. Also, that's, that's not how I look at it, you know. Factoring in the drive, going to those facilities, it's nice being able to wake up, and that's something I enjoyed is I was able to work out on different schedules you know, on those days that you didn't want to work out and I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a early guy. I like getting my stuff done. And, um, but I know the big thing is, is I learned from this off season is I'm my best coach. Right. And you kind of taught me that is like those moments where I'm like, man, what do I do? And I don't have somebody to ask. Obviously I had you there and, but I learned that I'm my best coach and I excelled on that this off season in the weight room out throwing throwing a baseball or even when we stepped on the mound I was able to lock in and knew what I had to do day in and day out yeah that's that's you know huge that you know when you're on that island out there alone you don't have that coach that you might lean on or you might you don't have that data that you look at you know every single pitch after your bullpens or in between pitches and that's what I've learned throughout my career yeah that stuff helps but at the end of the time, at the end of the day, when you tow the rubber, you know you're a competitor. You're going out there to compete versus that guy in the box. But to answer your original question about you know my goals for you personally, you know why I kind of took you under my wing and why I was trying to convince you to come out to you know Texas, sacrificing time away from family, wasn't just Mad Duck. You know, it was I knew that you had, you know, your vision is there for chasing the big league dream. But just giving you some advice mentally, and I think as we're able to reflect on it the last four months, is like you stepped away and you're like, man, I get it now. You know, you and Kyle both have told me that. And, um, you know, that goes hand in hand. I've learned some things from you guys as well, and you all have pushed me that you can't just talk the talk, you have to walk it too. Um, But the mind is so powerful, man. And... I'm a big believer in that. You know, obviously some things throughout my career didn't go as planned, but, you know, I, I've faced adversity. We have we were raised and our story is very identical in that aspect to where we Absolutely. we can make things personal and remember our why and, 
you know, pushing ourselves on a daily basis to, you know, look yourself in the mirror and be like, did I get better today? Yeah. I think something that's cool that not a lot of people will be able to experience or even take from this is you got to see me when I was at my worst post TJ or through the TJ process. And I got to see you through your TJ process. And obviously it's your second one and you know how to go about it now. And I didn't. And when you took me under your wing, I learned a lot from you in those beginning stages, but a lot of it really did not click until this off season. And I became a totally different picture pitcher and I'm fired up for what I got ahead of me. And I can't, I can't thank you enough for that for sure. But, um, so I wanted to also ask, how are you feeling on the season? Um, let's get a record guess on what you think the Minnesota Twins are going to do this year. Ooh, record. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go all out here. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to bet with us. Um, you know, I know obviously health is something that we can't control. Unfortunately, um, we have some superstars on our team that, yeah, if we can stay healthy as a group, all 162, we have a chance to win a hundred games. Um, the reality Unfortunately, with this game, as as it's getting harder to stay healthy and the game's moving faster and guys are getting stronger, um, you know, I, I'm going to say we're going to end the season 90 and 72. Okay. Uh, and we're going to win our division. And this year, we're not going to let Houston beat us in that first round. You're damn right. And I'm going to be I'm going to be out there and be a big part of it. You know, I'm I'm going to do everything I can to to help this team win. Um, and then obviously last year, you know, I, I was, you know, post fishing trips, we'd throw on the games, whether it was on the boat on our, on my iPad or whether it was, you know, in the living room crushing Chipotle and, you know, just watching the boys, keeping up with them. Just, I had that itch, you know, it, it sucks when you're on the sidelines and you don't get to see or be a part of those guys, uh, knowing what it takes, you know, and how, how hard they're working and day in and day out, you know, a lot of people forget. We're one of the only sports that plays 162 games in 185, 186 days. You know, and that's not a lot of off days. Those off days are including the All Star break. Yep. You know, and and people don't realize, you know, if you do the math, it's like 13 to 15 off days in a course of six months. You know, some people get that in in a month of, you know, from their nine to five job. Absolutely. Uh, but with that being said, we knew that going into this sport, and you know, I'm not saying that that's a negative. But, you know, just the hard work that it takes for these guys to to go out there and, and be able to put on that performance for the fans and, and their family and for themselves was being able to toe that rubber at the end of September, telling myself in January of 2023 that I was going to do that was very special for me. And just, I mean, you got to see it, which was, was pretty cool. My family got to Electric. see it. You know, it was and then obviously getting my feet wet in playoffs that I kind of hit on earlier in this podcast was just that's a moment that you work for your entire life. And unfortunately, we did come up short as a group, um, but we also got to pop a little bit of champagne. And, Absolutely. and, you know, I don't know if you've ever popped champagne and got it in your <laughs> eyes, but that is the best pain you could ever want because you, you get to let out that. You know, I did it. You yeah, made it. You know, that the blood, sweat and tears that they always say. And, and unfortunately, we came up short and we wanted to do it two more times as a group. But, you know, that's what gets us more hungry for that next season. It's like, man, we know what it takes, guys. We have all the pieces we need in this clubhouse. Let's just go make it happen. Yeah, and, and that blood, sweat, and tears kind of showed for you that first 
that first game back um, post-TJ. Walk me through kind of those emotions that you had. Yeah, so, you know, for all my baseball fans out there, twin fans, you know, that, that uh, I love telling my story. And uh, the reason why I say that is everything that has happened in my career, in my life, it's almost, you know, as I reflect, everything happens the way it's supposed to. And what I mean by that is the team that I blew out against on Mother's Day of 2022 was the team I pitched against coming back from my first start or first appearance out of the bullpen um, at the end of the 2023 season. Those are just things that you can't write up. Picking you know, up right where you left off. It's just it's so special and so cool to to look back 14, 15 months, and it's the same team that I blew out against. And I made it personal. You, you, you know, yeah, I, I struck out the side, and I, I got to let out so much emotion that was built up for me, my, my people that are in my corner, my family, my teammates. I'm getting goosebumps right now. You know, just <laughs> all that stuff. And then, unfortunately, that second inning, I, I kind of blew my load a little early there that I, I let up a couple runs. But yep. being able to still take a positive out of that, I'm like, man, I deserve to let that emotion out and let that whole stadium know, my teammates know, and myself that I did this on my own. And Chris Paddock is back, baby. <laughs> no, I watching you that game – Gosh, I mean, that was electric for sure. And I was able to follow you, you know, your rehab starts in Fort Myers, your rehab start in Wichita, and then obviously St. Paul. And then when you stepped on that big screen, it, it was it's cool because the commentators knew your story and they told people. And that's just something that was awesome to experience from my point, just because I got to watch your whole process. We got to go fish on the weekend. We got to talk about hey, that game I come back, I'm going to do this. And you said that, and you did it. And it was awesome. From my point of view, it was badass. Thank you. And I I can't explain to people what it was like for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, just hitting off of some of those points about, you know, we're, we're going to use the word Tommy John a lot, I feel like, in our podcast. Yes. And for those of you, you know, our listeners who don't know what that is um, – you know, Google's a great resource because it is kind of there's some fancy words out there that the doctors use and the repair that, you know, they they take a tendon out of either your wrist or behind your hamstring and tie that into that ligament that tore. Uh, it's basically, you know, it, it's a UCL injury, which is basically identical to an ACL. Um, but we, we want to use maybe the next couple podcasts or you know, over the next couple of weeks when we release these podcasts and new episodes every Monday, that I think would be pretty cool if we did talk about in depth of Tommy John, you know, what we dealt what we dealt with on a daily basis, that adversity, the good coming from this whole deal, being away from the game for 14, 15, 16 months. Um, because I know that there are some listeners that are dealing with injuries, you know, former baseball players that can relate to this or current. That, you know, this game, unfortunately, especially us as pitchers, you know, Tommy John is, it's almost like, it's just a matter of time. Ticking time bomb, you know, say. It's, it's, it sucks, but it's the reality of it. Um, you're, you're on your second one. Yeah. And people yeah. say you always throw harder right. at the end of it. You PR this, this yeah. time back, you hit 99 miles per hour, which is pretty fast in the baseball world. One shot of 100, man. <laughs> I tried my hardest too. I looked up there and I was just like, "Golly, give me, 
Give me triple digits one time. Absolutely. I know a lot of people say that TJ's, you know, oh, it makes you throw harder. But in my sight, I think it's more of your dedication to the rehab. You get a year to work on yourself from a mechanic standpoint, from a mental standpoint, from a strength standpoint. That's what makes you throw harder because those people, they only get the offseason to learn how to throw harder or get stronger. That's why I think those people say, oh, you throw harder after TJ. In my eyes, it's strictly the rehab process. And those guys that don't come back throwing harder, you could probably ask them, hey, did you you work hard enough? You know, did you do your rehab the right way? And I I can take it from my point of view is I worked my ass off and – my TJ process went very well. I don't have any elbow issues. Um, I ran into some shoulder stuff, um, but the process of the rehab, I was able to gain the weight I needed. I was able to cut that weight later on, and then obviously it transitioned into this off season. And I came back throwing harder. Right. And it, the proof's in the pudding for sure. Is right. if you do your rehab right, you're going to get that velo. Absolutely. I think it just you're doing. This is the first time where you're away from the game of baseball since we could walk. You know, we both yeah. – you started, you know, picking up a baseball 20 years ago, for me, 24 years ago, and it's just like you, we never had a break. It was spring ball, summer ball, fall ball, you know, then high school rolls around. Then you got all the summer teams and select ball and all this. that You know, it never stopped to where it's like, oh, shoot, I get 12 months to bust my ass in the weight room. I get 12 months to – you know, start a good routine and create a good routine and, and create these good habits that you might have not, you know, had in your current career or your current routine. And I think that, you know, one of these podcasts, I definitely think it would be pretty cool to dive deep into, you know, the meaning of Tommy John and our story of how it changed our careers because, yeah, this is my second one. And 30 years ago, if you had Tommy John, you probably weren't coming back. <laughs> You know, it's just crazy that how good the doctors are nowadays. You Absolutely. know, it, it is an art what Dr. Meister in Arlington, Texas does. You know, he's repaired both of my UCLs, um, you know, the surgeries that I had in 2016 and then, you know, at, at May of 2022. So I think there's a lot of good points that we can hit on that for, for some of these young players of to prevent, you know, from getting hurt, creating that good, you know, creating those good habits getting that good routine, separate your, separating yourself early, and then obviously guys that might be currently dealing with it or former players who can relate. Yeah. I think uh, I wanted to ask you, obviously you just had TJ. We just talked about that. Going into this season, what do you think your con- contribution to the team is going to be from an inning standpoint? What are your goals for this season? Where you want to be, whether it's a starter, or you were obviously a reliever last year, are you going to be stepping on that mound as a starter? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they haven't told me exactly what that role is going to be. Um, but without a doubt, I'm going to be, you know, my goal is to be that number two, number three starter. Um, you know, Pablo has earned that job for the number one guy. I mean, he is he's a workhorse, man. He, you look at his career stats and his career innings. I mean, my man stays healthy. He's going to get the ball 35 times plus and, you know, put up 200 innings. You know, it's, it's just in this game nowadays, that's unheard of. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to him. I get to see it on a daily basis. He works his ass off and uh, very excited to be behind him this year and, and supporting him and learn from him. But for me personally, I'm 
my goal is 140 to 160 innings. Uh, and you best believe there's still a chance to win a Cy Young in that, you know, time frame of those innings. Uh, you know, obviously uh, there's going to be some things that I can't control, and that's going to be Rocco and, and the front office grabbing the baseball from me a little earlier than I might, you know, hey, man, come on, give me one more inning. Yep. Give me 30 more pitches. I'm, I'm so close to a CG. Whatever it is, they're looking at, hey, how, how can Chris Paddock be healthy in October? Yep. Um, and you have to respect that. Yep. And, and this being my second one um, and coming back in 2018 on my first one, I came from zero innings to 90, yep. and then I made my debut, and I went from 90 to 130. But it was they had to monitor those innings. Um, so I kind of already have an idea what to expect, which is definitely in my favor going into this season of I can't be hard-headed in those moments where I want the ball, um, you know, for another inning, another out. But, you know, if, if it's one of those games where I'm like, hey, this is my game, you better believe I'm going to let Rocco know, hey, I want the ball. Yep. And he's he's such a good manager. He's a player manager. He knows we want to be out there, um, you know, to where if he gives me that opportunity, I'm going to make sure he doesn't regret it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, I think just staying healthy, you know, this, this year doing everything I can day in and day out to stay healthy, stay out on that field, pitching every fifth or sixth day, um, and then come all-star break, you know, why not be in an all, you know, why not be an all-star? You know, Which. never setting, you know, never set myself short. Yeah, I'm coming back from only throwing 10 innings last year, 11 innings um, out of the bullpen, which is completely different. But, you know, I, I just want to help this team win and, and be that be that guy that's a leader in the clubhouse and, and leads by example and, you know, does all the, you know, I do all those things that I can control. And that's my work ethic, my attitude, you know, uh, and all that. So I know uh... – I know this year's All-Star game is in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. So you're stomping grounds. So when you said you want to push for an All-Star, that's that's pretty big for you for sure. Yeah, being able to say I'm an All-Star in, in my home state would be pretty special. Uh, one You'd of have the, a pretty, one of those, thick, pretty big fan <laughs> section, yeah, I know that. The, one of those things that you can't write up if it does happen. Yep. Um, yeah, we're talking about it now, but that's just who we are, man. That's you want to set our goals high and our visions high, uh, you know, because we can reach them. You know, any any dream, any any thought, any goal, all that stuff is possible if you put your mind toward it and make it a priority. If you believe it, you will achieve it. Heck yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I know uh, I wanted to also ask, what is the biggest thing you noticed that separated you from others at a young age to kind of where you're at right now? Yeah, that's a good one. Um you know, I kind of get that question a lot from, you know, high school parents, you know, young, the younger generation, whether it's guys that are finally, you know, got their own key to their car and they're 16 years old or, you know, they, they just can, you know, I think the rules and laws have changed, but you used to buy a dip, you know, be able to buy a can of tobacco at 18, but I think it's 21 now, but 16 to 21 years old is usually that question that I get, you know, from, from that age group. It's like, what did you do? You know, what what made you different from, you know, going getting drafted in the eighth round versus going to Texas A&M? And I think the the best answer I can give, or the only answer that I give to to parents and and kids is, you know, you have to separate yourself from the guy next to you. Absolutely. And you you can't 
worry about what other people's thoughts are, opinions are about you. And going to a perfect example for me was, you know, my high school career, you know, people called me MLB. You know, they were walking around, oh, MLB, here he is. He's going to do his journal. He's going to, you know, do his bands before us. He's going to show up earlier, leave later. You know, you're damn right. And looking back, those people are watching me live out my dream. And, and I'm not meaning that in a cocky way by any means. I'm just answering this question that Logan presented to me is, you, I didn't go to homecoming games. I didn't go to Friday night football games. We know how big Friday night football games in high school are in Texas. I mean, you've got 30,000, 40,000 fans at a high school football game. I wasn't one of them. I was in the gym throwing a bullpen perfecting my my craft because I started getting on the radar. I started throwing harder. I started moving faster. I started, you know, I grew three inches. You know, a lot of that stuff that I was like, oh, shoot, you know, I have what it takes. You know, there's. I don't want to look myself in the mirror 10 years from now saying, man, I wish I would have done something different. Or, man, why did I follow my best friend to this college because he wanted to, you know, go party and enter a frat. Whatever it is. I separated myself, and then once it became real for me, I, didn't, I never looked back. Um, so, you know, to answer your question is you, the kids have to find a way to separate themselves and, and give up something that might not be understandable in the moment. You know, yeah, as a high school kid, you wanted to go, you know, the, those high school parties, you know, the, that – that parent is out of town. You knew that this is the party house, whatever it is. That also goes back to my mom being very strict. I'm very blessed to have a strict mom growing up and keeping me out of trouble, you know, making sure I'm not doing drugs, all these different things that unfortunately the younger generation is, is leaning, getting, towards. you know, leaning towards or getting presented at a younger age. And it's, yeah. it's sad, but, uh, you know, just, just work your ass off and, and doing everything you can, um, you know, to make sure that, you know, if it's you want to go D3, D2, D1, chasing that goal and doing everything you can and looking yourself in the mirror saying, hey, I did it, you know. And then it just it keeps going on from there. To this day, I still find ways to separate myself from the guy next to me, finding my ways to separate myself from you and Kyle, but also knowing y'all are holding me accountable. It's like that, that brotherhood that baseball brings to, the, you know, to us as baseball players, but also life. Absolutely. When was the when was the first day or first time you picked up a baseball on the mound? I know a little bit back of the story, but I just want you to tell the listeners. So what's pretty cool is, uh, you know, all the twin fans out there. Joe Maurer, you know, just got uh, elected into the Hall of Fame. Um, he was he was one of my favorite players growing up because I was a catcher, um, and then I grew to be six four and you know, 160 pounds and could barely hit it out of the infield. And I was like, yeah, probably not going to be the position that I, uh, you know, pursue into college. And then obviously the draft and, and, uh, looking back, I think, uh, old Connie Cochran, my high school, um, head coach gets a, gets a huge shout out here because, you know, I pitched in summer ball and I pitched in select ball and, you know, played every position in little league, all that fun stuff. But, my sophomore year, I was on varsity as a catcher, and we had a three-game you know, three series one weekend, and we ran out of pitching. Mm-hmm. And Connie comes in. you know, I, He calls me into his office, and he's like, hey, kiddo, 
Like, I know you pitch. <laughs> we need you. Can you do it for us tomorrow? And I'm big-eyed, you know, freaking out. Like, this is varsity. This is, you know. And sure enough, me being me, I said, absolutely, I'll be ready to go. Well, he didn't know. I called my best friend, Ryan Johnson, who was a teammate at, my t- at the time. He was a senior. I was a sophomore. He was committed to Vanderbilt. You know, crafty lefty through 86, 87 from the left side. You know, had a nasty changeup, good curveball. I was like, hey, man, coach said I'm pitching tomorrow. Can you help me? Give me some tips, some tricks, <laughs> call every pitch from the dugout, whatever we got to do. And uh, he said, hey, man, the game's the, the game's the same. You know, don't don't let it speed up on you. Go out there and have fun. You're built for these moments. You know, just kind of giving me that best friend advice that I needed at the time. And, uh, you know, long story short, uh, Saturday afternoon rolls around and I, I'm towing the rubber and every other pitch I'm looking in the dugout, getting a sign from my, my best friend Ryan Johnson and uh, ended up throwing a no-hitter. Jeez. And Connie Cochran was like, kiddo, you're no longer a varsity catcher. <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be on the bump for us every fifth or sixth day. Um and you know the rest is history. So Absolutely. Now you're towing the rubber on a big league stadium. Uh, so shout out to him. He you know, he he made that decision for me at at that important time of my life to where you know 16 17 years old, you know, kids make that decision of like, you know, growing up you're probably the superstar, you're hitting four hole you're playing short, playing center, you're pitching, you're catching, you're doing it all. But you get to a point in your career at 16 to 17 years old where you're like, hey, this is my position. Absolutely. I know playing uh, varsity is a big thing in high school for sure, especially being at a young age. I had the opportunity to play varsity as a freshman. Obviously, I didn't go to a big school like you did. So we didn't have all the big-time athletes and fighting for jobs, but I was – I've also played travel ball and all that, but for me, when I was on varsity, it was it was that experience. It felt like you know I'm I'm a, I'm a big leaguer type right. feeling, playing with all these big boys, twice my size, twice my weight. And for me, growing up, I always wanted to challenge myself. I always hung out with the older guys. I always wanted a challenge of getting beat up. I had an older brother, and that he always beat up on me, and when I got to play with those bigger guys, I think that elevated my playing experience that made me a better player just because I was playing with bigger dudes, stronger guys. And I got to do that for my whole career. And I think that helped me get to where I'm at. And now I try to surround myself, you know, with people like you that are in the big leagues. I'm, I'm striving to be like you and also seeing how you go about things. Like we talked about earlier, that is a big factor into my career and I just want to tell all the listeners out there all those baseball players is challenge yourself with those people around you you know if you got a buddy that isn't as great as you I'm not saying get rid of him but also you know find somebody else to challenge yourself or say hey dude let's look at each other and say well how can we get better what can we do to elevate our our playing experience what can we do can we hit the gym more I know for me same thing when I was in high school, I went to the I went to the football games just because I was a student <laughs> section leaner. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. But uh, I I woke up early. Um, the coach got so sick of waking up early, he kind of gave us the keys to the gym, and I got a group of guys together, varsity senior guys, juniors, and every day we'd go in early, whether it's hitting, whether it's fielding, whether it's pitching, and we just worked on stuff, and then. After school, we all gathered up and we worked out together and 
shout out to Coach Riches, still the coach at Belding High School. Um, we we uh, did a thing called the gauntlet, and I'll never forget it. It was one of those things that was just one of the most challenging days. He's, he'd walk in. We wouldn't know what day it would be on. He'd be like, gather up. It's gauntlet day. And what the gauntlet was is we had an indoor track at our high school around the basketball court, and after every lap, I think it was 14 laps was a mile, we had to do a workout in between each one. And obviously we're competing against all the other guys there. So it was whoever got it done the fastest, you know, was the gauntlet winner of the day. And it was just a cool experience pushing each other, but also taking those moments and being competitive was one of the coolest experiences that I took from high school and elevated my career into where I'm at right now. And I'll never forget those moments. And I try to do those things day in and day out of, hey, what can I do better today? How can I challenge myself? And I, I know that's something you taught me throughout this offseason is when I lay my head on that pillow, do I, I ask myself, did I do the best I could today? Did I challenge myself? And I, the biggest thing that for those people that don't know is me and Chris did uh, cold plunges almost every night. And those for those people that don't know what it is, it's, you know, you're sitting in, 40 degree 35 degree water for three minutes hopping in a hot tub then hopping back in the cold for us we sat down you know we're always like man I don't want to do this I don't want to do this but as we moved on and continued doing it it became more of a mental challenge of like I'm gonna win today on the ice tub I'm gonna beat it and when we got in yeah it sucked at the moment but we always told each other if there was no benefit to the ice cold plunge, we would still do it just because it was that moment of us telling ourselves mentally that we just won after we got out. Yeah. It's just like we talked about too is it's the mind over feelings. Your feelings is what's telling you not to get in that cold top. Yep. You have to be able to grasp that, that, you know, throw it in the trash and be like, no, I'm getting in this tub because it's challenging. I've already done it before. I can do it again. 100%. And being able to, you know, control that breathing when things are hard or, you know, having that buddy next to you that's going to do it right after you so you can't be the one that chickens out because I'll call you out. Same with, you know, you'll call me out. You got to make it fun whenever things aren't easy. Yep. And that's what I've also learned in life and learned in this game is it's, it's so hard. It's already – a game of failure you know we sometimes we make it harder than it already is um and just you know mind over feelings for sure going off of kind of what you just hit on there is is and then you know what you said earlier about you know playing with that older group or you know hey this guy's not really making me better not defriending him but finding someone who will 100%. whether that's yourself you know, who's separating yourself from the pack or whether that's another guy that you look up to that, you know, yeah, he might be two or three years older, but he might, you know, bring you into his wing and say, hey, man, follow my footsteps. I'll show you what I got, help you along the way, and let's do this thing together. So I know you were you were that for me for my TJ process. Did you have someone like that for your TJ process? Yeah, so my, my first Tommy John was I was just traded over to San Diego. You know, I was three starts in from – from being traded from Miami to San Diego, and then boom, it just one pitch pregame. Heard the you know heard the pop went down, thought my career ended, man. 
you know, at, at the time, Tommy John was. How old were you? Your first 2016. DJ? What is it? 2024. I was 20 years old. Gotcha. You know, just turned 20 years old. Um, birthdays in January. So I think I was, you know, 20 and some change, whatever. And, you know, the, the biggest thing that I learned through that whole thing was, you know, getting traded, getting traded from, you know, 20 year old kid from Miami to San Diego. And then my first Tommy John experience, I was like, man, you know, this is, this is not ideal. I don't know what to expect, how to feel. Was there any other guys there that was going through that TJ process that kind of took you under your wing? Yeah. So, you know, after I got surgery, I was very fortunate to, you know, be in the state of Texas with Dr. at Dr. Meister's facility for those first six months of, of rehab, which was awesome for me because I got to be close to family. I got to do all that. And then whenever 2017 rolls around, you know, obviously that whole year I knew going into it that I wasn't going to, um, you know, break with the team. Well, very fortunate that we had two big league guys that, you know, were also going through rehab, elbow and shoulder. You know, Colin Ray, Robbie Erland, two of the guys that, you know, I went out of my way to introduce. I was like, hey, man, I know who you guys are. Um, you know, just want to introduce myself. I know we'll be in the rehab group together all year, this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, they started sacrificing some time outside of the field for me, you know, going to dinner. And, you know, hey, man, you have what it takes. It's pretty cool to watch you do your thing in the weight room and, you know, running laps on field four, five, and six in the backfields where no one's at, like, you're not acting that. You, you want it. We can feel it. It's pretty special. You know, best of luck to you because at that time they were moving up to the big leagues and, you know, kind of on their back end of their rehab process. And, uh, you know, to answer your question, I got to give old Robbie, Robbie Ray and Colin – or Robbie Erland and Colin Ray a shout-out because those are two guys that – took me under their wing and showed me the way and paved the way. And then the rest is on me, you know? So it was, it was pretty cool. And I'm very fortunate to have some guys that I looked up to and, and cause I didn't have the answers. And I was a 20 year old kid who, you know, was, was freaking out. I thought my career was ended right after traded, you know, it was, it was a lot of mixed emotions for 100%. me. Um, and then, you know, I, I did it myself, you know, realizing this is what I want. Everything's going to be just fine. And I'm going to come back better than I ever have. People are going to forget who I am. They're not going to remember my name, but I'll make sure that they, they get remembered. 100%. Or reminded. <laughs> 100%. And I know uh, being a 20-year-old, probably walking up to a big leaguer, was kind of, you know, I know I've gotten to know you from a personality standpoint. You know, you love making yourself better. What was that feeling like? Man, were you asking yourself multiple times, like, I got to go up and ask him? Or was it right away you knew, like, this is what I needed to do? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you almost, like, go home and you have a rehearsal. You know, hey, man, <laughs> how am I, I going to approach Colin, Colin Ray and Robbie Erlin? You know, those guys are big league guys, you know, looking up their stats, you know, looking where they're from just in case they ask me that. You know, I'll be like, hey, man, I know you're from so, you know, up north or whatever it might be just to have my stat sheet, my little cheat sheet to right. reflect on. But, uh, once I get rolling in a conversation, you know, for everybody who does know me, I'm a pretty serious guy, just down to earth. Yeah. Um, 
not a guy to crack jokes, but just kind of introduce myself. You know, the way I was raised, you put your hand out, shake it, you know, and, and exchange names and go from there. So it was it was cool that they were, you know, the, the term, I didn't get big leagued. You know, right. they, they took the time to shake my hand and get to know me and, and be genuine and, and uh, make the make that sacrifice away from their families to take me out to dinner and and talk ball and and teach me what they've learned through their rehab process and and give me that advice that you know every every younger kid or you know young guy that just got traded or just got drafted going into college that they need to hear you 100%. know because sometimes your parents or your best friend can't give you that advice you know hearing it in a different way hundred percent. And I know being a big leaguer, you know, that's where we strive to be. And that, that was one of the big things why I reached out to you and I did is I was going through that TJ process. You were also in that TJ process. We didn't really meet because of TJ. It was more of hunting talk that started in a hot tub. We were just chit-chatting in the hot tub talking about duck hunting and you killing a now guy. And I didn't know what that was at the time because you were from Texas. But I'll never forget that because, you know, that was kind of where it started. Then you went over to the big league side, and then when you came back, we we picked we kinda, things. Yeah, we picked things off where we left it, and that's what you can't you can't fake that either. No. You know, I knew that. I was like, man, one of the only – I thought men, you big league me, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't follow you back on Instagram for a couple of months uh, just because I didn't know who you were. And then, you know, we hit it off, and it's uh, – I, I took into perspective. I was like, man, this guy went out of his way. And he's one of the only minor league guys that came up and introduced himself. And that, that means a lot, man, especially nowadays. Like, a lot of bodies in and out of the clubhouse. 100%. And uh, you went out of your way to, you know, come introduce yourself. And, you know, the rest is history. We got talking about fishing and, and golfing and, you know, Mad Duck, starting Mad Duck. And, and here we are, you know, eight months later, nine months later, starting a podcast talking about kind of how our relationship has grown. Yeah, I know – I know the big thing from a minor leaguer standpoint is, you know, we don't, hey, don't mess with the big leaguers. They're doing their own thing. And, oh, you might get big league. I think that's what those minor leaguers are so afraid of reaching out to those big leaguers because they, they feel like they're bothering them or this and that. But, you know, for me, when I went up to you or any of the other big leaguers that I've talked to is they're very personable. They're not going to – I mean, there there are some out there that are going to – give you the cold shoulder and be like, yeah, man. Yep. You know, but that just kind of proves who you are, who they are. And when you find that person like yourself or those other people out there, it changed my career. And I'm glad I had that conversation with you. I introduced myself because I would not be where I'm at right now without you taking me under your wing. And I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I know you've been asking me a lot of questions, but uh, I'm sure the listeners kind of want to hear some things from your perspective as well as, you know, you talk about the adversity that you've faced, you know, with, with Tommy John and you've overcome that. And, you know, we were raised kind of very similar. Um, what is one thing that you would say baseball has taught you in life, you know, over these last 20 years, um, you know, when you were that young kid, you know, playing catch with, you know, whoever it was in that cul-de-sac or that dirt road, you know, w looking back over those 20 years, what has baseball taught you in life? Uh, not taking a thing for granted. We're, we're only given so much time on this earth and so much time to play the game of baseball. A lot of, a lot of people's careers can be 
you know, the Nolan Ryan long or the, you know, those relievers that pitch one year and they're out the door, but they still made it. Right. Um, for me, as it goes back to not forgetting where you came from, remembering who you are, you know. And uh, for me, I, I just I faced one of my biggest challenges is I got the uh, baseball taken out of not taken out of my hand, but I was with the Minnesota Twins and I recently got released this uh, this spring training. Um, unfortunate for sure, but it was one of those first roadblocks on my road to me being a big leaguer. Obviously, a lot of people look at that like, man, my career's over. But I'm 24 years old. I know I, I know what I'm capable of, and I just wasn't given the chance uh, after this spring, after this offseason, training with Chris and me being a better pitcher post-TJ. I haven't played for two years, and it's just part of the business. A lot of those guys just get cut right after TJ. As soon as they throw a baseball on the mound and you're off waivers, I mean, you're off that rehab, they cut you right then and there. And Going into the offseason, I was like, man, I got the opportunity. Every other TJ guy besides me and another guy got released. And I was like, man, this whole time watching one after another get cut, cut. It was, it was, I had a thing in the back of my head saying, it's going to be me next. And when I got released from rehab and went into the offseason, I was still, I was still a twin and, trained my ass off this offseason obviously with you I learned a lot and then I show up February 5th to spring training I throw a bullpen February 6th and I got released February 7th and I never I didn't really get the opportunity to prove myself and it sucks absolutely but that's just part of my journey I guess and you you told me it was one of the biggest things that I learned that you told me after getting released was this is just your story part of your story we talked about Brock Purity you know that guy that was drafted last overall and Mr. Irrelevant yeah just nobody knew his name and you know now he's playing in the Super Bowl and you know you got those guys that were drafted 1-1 and have a success paid for them and for me it's just everybody everybody's road's different everybody's story's different and I always say some people's some people's roads are paved Mine's a dirt road, and I grew up on one. So it's just being able to understand where you're from, remembering who you are and all the sacrifices you put into the game of baseball will carry you on for life if you continue with those th three things. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because I know we've talked about it outside of the mics um, when we're not live is, you know, we kind of prepared for those moments is all off season. I could I could feel it like you're you're thinking about man, so and so got released. He went through Tommy John. So and so got released. He has shoulder surgery, right after they get healthy. Yep. And this business is like it is brutal, man. Like unfortunate. There's always someone knocking at the door. Right. There's always somebody up next. Yep. And somebody has to be, you know, somebody has to get that ball taken away from them. And unfortunately, that was you. But you're, this is your story, man, and I'm so excited that – I'm not excited that this happened for you, but I'm excited because I know you as a person and everything that we've trained for this past offseason is like you're going to overcome this. You're already hitting 96, 97 in, you know, bullpens. That's, that's triple digits when 
somebody steps in the box. It's I'll making hundred because you can't <laughs> <laughs> making it personal, and it's it's pretty cool to be your best friend, and then looking back and be like, man, I got to see Logan's journey. Being one of those guys, it's like, man, y'all have no idea what he went through to get to where he's at today. And you don't have to be that guy, hey, look at me, this is my story. But there's someone else out there that can relate to exactly what you're going through, and that's what's so special about life. That's what's so special about this game of baseball is I know, without a doubt in my mind, you're going to get picked up by 29 other teams. Somebody, one of those will want you. Yeah. Whether it's you got to start with independent ball, then get picked up. You got to go to Japan, then get picked up. There's options, and we know that. So it's, I appreciate you sharing that. That's pretty, pretty special stuff. And uh, I know a big part of this is, you know, not a lot of people get to talk on a podcast of the process. Obviously, we're talking about the process of being a major leaguer and what goes into that. But I get the opportunity now to share people my experience that I'm going through. The release portal, the release process, it sucks for sure. You you do think it's the end of the road, but I just want to tell everybody, all those listeners that are released or are in indie ball or fighting for a job, just stick to it. Don't give it up. Um, at the end of the day, it's 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 a grind. I went to a JUCO. I went to D two. I I never thought I was going to be where I was. I had the opportunity to be where I was at, and I'm not going to give up after all the sacrifice I've done to get to there just to end because somebody told me no. I've been told no multiple times in my life, hey, you don't have what it takes. I have that teacher in high school when I was writing a story about being a professional baseball player. I got an F on the paper, you know. Is that because you're handwriting or because? <laughs> no, the story is actually so good. And <laughs> But, no, just don't give it up. It's It's part of the process. Like I said, a lot of people – were given the ability to throw 100 miles per hour as soon as they came out of the womb and other people had to work their ass off to throw 100 or work their ass off to be a good baseball player and you said it yourself those those sacrifices missing those football games you weren't gift, gifted a talent you worked your ass off to get there and that that's same for me I'm not going to give it up so yeah I appreciate you know obviously everything that you said about being released is not easy whether it's telling that to your best friend or, you know, making that phone call to your parents. Yep. You know, that, that phone call is not easy. Because um, you hate telling people you failed. Yeah, I mean, I, technically I failed. But it was. I'm so glad you brought up the point to our listeners is whether it's baseball, whether it's 9 to 5 CEO job, or whether you're starting your own business, is there's going to be someone out there who says that you're not good enough. 100%. And that should be fuel to make you want to push and prove those haters wrong. Yep. But also prove yourself right that you have what it takes to make it to wherever it is, whatever dream, whatever passion it is that you're chasing. Um, so I'm glad that you brought that up. I was hoping you would bring that up there towards the end about, you know, this isn't the first time someone's told me I wasn't good enough or told me no. And you know what? Thank you for telling me that because you just – you made a spark in me. You feel you refueled me. Thank you yep, for that. Yep, 100%. And – you know, me being with the Twins, I have nothing bad about, you know, the Twins organization. I love this organization. Unfortunately, I know how shitty this business is. And, you know, they're going to regret making that, that call, you know, February 7th, 2024. Absolutely. I know one of my biggest things that I have, I have written on my glove, burn the ships. And that just right there, every time I look at my glove now, it used to be about other things in my past, but now it's this. 
It's a new reason to burn the ships. And for all those people that don't know what the meaning of burn the ships is, it's an old saying or old story about this sailor who wanted to discover a new land. And he told the people that were traveling with them, we're not coming back. And when they got to this new land, it was hard. They had to build the house from scratch. They had to go find food. They had to cut down trees and do all this and all that. And they wanted to give up and go back to their normal life of living in wherever they were, but they weren't happy there. And the sailor in the middle of the night burned the ships, all the ships to go back. And he told the people, we are staying here. And it ended up being one of the top civilizations. And that just, that goes for me is burn the ships and I'll never live that down. And this is a new fuel to my fire. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So, but guys, we are wrapping this episode up. It's we're getting to that one hour mark. It has been a great, great episode. I'm fired up that we hopped on the mic for this one and we talked about a lot of great points. For all those listeners, man, we if you guys have any questions, you guys want to shoot us a DM asking asking us questions what to talk about on the next one or even just giving us feedback on how we how we are doing this podcast obviously we're new to it this is only our second episode and of many more to come but we're fired up to do this podcast for you guys it's not only for us that we get to tell our stories hopefully we're going to have that those special guests on we're going to have those people to come along and be a part of this journey and obviously we're going to start talking a little bit more more about mad duck outfitters yeah absolutely i think obviously this episode was was uh, we hit on a lot of good points, but you know, as spring training starts up tomorrow for pitchers and catchers, um, you know, we talked about my goals for entering the 2024 season. Uh, you know, we just we hit on a lot of good stuff, but you know, this this episode was for all of our baseball listeners and and all the twin fans out there. We're super excited to to get the ball rolling and and uh, you know, ready to get after it tomorrow. Hundred percent. Y'all stay tuned. All right. Oh, man. <laughs>